Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week. And we're talking about position switches today as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade continues. I'm Fran Duffy. And as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 330. At the top of this week's show, we've got our scouting report where I chat with Ben Fennell about the process of players switching positions. We see it all the time around the NFL and around college football. It's certainly a big point of discussion this time of year around the NFL draft. So Ben and I are going to talk about what leads to those decisions for the players and for the teams, the pros and cons of making those moves and how it impacts this year's NFL draft right at the top of the show in scouting report. Before we get there, though, just a couple of things I want to make sure we hit on. First up, I'm going to ask you guys once again, head on over to our Apple podcast page, throw us your support with a rating and a comment. If you've got a question, if you've got a request, this could be about anything. Uh, now's the time. Jump on. Let me know. Just leave your request in the comment section and I will fulfill that request in the next couple of episodes. Also, we're now just a week away from the NFL draft. So you need to make sure you go and subscribe to the Journey to the Draft podcast. We just did an episode covering the top receivers in the draft class, but next week, we have got a full slate of coverage, including our annual mock draft extravaganza where I go around the horn. 32 different guests are going to come on and make picks for the first round of the draft. And then Ben and I are going to react to it. So uh, make sure you go subscribe to the Journey to the Draft podcast wherever podcast we found. Obviously, we'll have our daily analysis as well of all the Eagles picks. You got to be subscribed to make sure you get that analysis as it comes through your phone. All right, enough about Journey to the Draft. Let's get the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast rolling. It's time to get this episode started with Scouting Report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the Scouting Report. All right, well, let's get this episode rolling here with Scouting Report as I welcome in my friend Ben Fennell. Ben, uh, this will be a little bit of a different kind of conversation than we typically have in these scouting reports because typically uh, we've got a a specific assignment where we're going to go and we're going to watch some film, come back and share our thoughts. But at the end of the day, I think this is a cool conversation to have, and it's one that you presented to me uh, last week as an idea. And I think we, you know we're just over a week, a week away from the NFL draft. So often, players uh, we you know we talk about them with position switches, and uh, some can be viewed as small, like moving a tackle, sliding him inside the guard, uh, moving an outside corner to nickel. Others are much bigger, you know, moving up quarterback to receiver or a receiver to a tight end or a corner to a safety. The Eagles have a bunch of these kids on the roster. And I should, I say kids, they have a bunch of players that have had uh, position switches on the roster. But why did you think that this would be such a fun topic to discuss uh, just with the draft uh, right around the corner? Well, I think this is the kind of swirling developmental time period of figuring out what their collegiate status and position was and how they're projecting to play professionally. And it's not always the same. It's not always one for one. And a lot of times you have to be willing to adapt to have a spot as a professional player. So there's a lot of projection. There's a lot of um, trying to see where they'll fit, where their skill set is best used. Obviously, there's different schemes from Saturdays to Sundays. So the usage on Saturdays will not always translate to how we want to use or project them to the NFL game. And right now in studying these draft prospects, that's part of their evaluation and that's part of their value. Not only having a through and through fit, but also having some flexibility to have a fit and you can kind of make cases and have value in both ways. And I think it's a really fun and kind of a deep philosophical discussion and Philadelphia look no better because we have a lot of case studies 
for better and worse, uh, a lot, lot more that are better of guys that change positions. And it's really fun to look back on and while kind of projecting forward. Yeah, I think it's it really makes for an interesting conversation. And before we get into our burning questions, let's just list out the guys on the Eagles roster who have made significant position switches over the course of their careers, whether it was late in college or uh, here in the NFL. And these are all, honestly, I just went through the Eagles roster, and these were just the ones that I knew off the top of my head without doing full research on some of the, the, the guys that are on the back end of the roster. But a couple of receivers, obviously most notably, Greg Ward was a quarterback at Houston, made the transition to wide receiver. Khalil Tate also making that same transition transition now uh, in his second year coming out of Arizona uh, at tight end. The Eagles have three players. Hakeem Butler was a college receiver at Iowa State, was drafted that way by the Arizona Cardinals, now making his way to tight end. Jason Kroom was mostly a wide receiver at Tennessee, switched to tight end late in his career, now a, a tight end uh, in the NFL. Tyree Jackson was a quarterback at the University of Buffalo just a couple of years ago, now making the transition full-time to tight end as well. Along the offensive line, and this is uh, we'll get into this, but this is one you'll always see a lot of position tra- changes. Uh, most notably, Lane Johnson was a quarterback, a defensive end, a tight end before officially settling in along the offensive line late in his college career. Brandon Brooks was a college tackle at Miami, Ohio, made the move inside to offensive guard. Jason Kelsey got to Cincinnati as a linebacker and then made the move over to the offensive line. Jordan Mailata never played a down of football in his life and has now started a considerable amount at left tackle over the course of his career just this past year in 2020. So plenty of guys that you're coming in with those position changes along the trenches. Defensively, handful of guys here Bernard Avery bounced back and forth between uh, defensive end and linebacker in college, uh, was a defensive end most recently with the Eagles, and now making the move reportedly over to linebackers. So that's something to watch here uh, through the rest of this offseason. And then at safety, Rodney McLeod uh, was a corner for most of his career at Virginia, made the move to safety. And then Graylin Arnold also kind of bounced back and forth between corner and safety throughout his college career at Baylor, now a full-time safety with the Eagles. So, you know, I think this one's only rumored, but I think Jake Elliott went to Memphis as a nose tackle initially, <laughs> and then they sent them to the place kicking room. But that's just, that's just a rumor. I, you know, I wouldn't rule it out. You know, look, Memphis, they <laughs> find ways to, you know, we, we know all the versatile players that come out of Memphis. They're, they're yeah, he just wasn't a scheme fit for their front. And next thing you know, you move positions and the next thing's history, you know, look, the more, the more you can do right at this point, the more you can do. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into our burning questions here. And I guess we'll start off with this first. What is the upside to asking a guy to switch position. So I think when you're looking at, uh, you know, players coming from the draft, what is, what is the upside here uh, in asking a guy to do something, do things that he's never done in the past? Well, I think there's kind of two different ways to look at this an upside organizationally or an upside individually. Yeah. Because organizationally, the upside of asking a guy to switch positions is having versatility, having a guy that can do multiple roles. Um, that covers more boxes that you may potentially need, whether that's during the week, scout team, um, or even just surviving a game. I think the stuff that happens between the games is also very important, mm. but just having the different bodies on the practice field and scout team and giving them the proper looks, that is critical, friend. And we hear rumblings of that, of, hey, this corner emulated this dual threat quarterback on the scout team. Things like that are completely overlooked by the media and most fans. Obviously, we don't watch a lot of practice. Most practice is closed to the media, so you don't get access to it. But that has tremendous value. And those are typically the guys that hang around the league for an extra couple of years because they're just willing to do what is needed. So I think organizationally it helps. And then individually, you want to stick. You know, you want to just provide as much opportunity and as much 
roles and skill sets for your team as possible to maintain your job. Um, so it's a lot of job security. And then it's also just trying to find that right fit that maybe you do find that next home or that that pure positional fit where you don't have to keep bouncing around. Um, so there's a lot of kind of different ways to look at it. I think that, you know, especially this time of year over the last couple of months, uh, when you're projecting guys to the NFL and, um, you know, there's, I think with individual players and certainly with their agents, their representation, there's a lot of sensitivity in terms of how they're, how they are viewed as players, as prospects moving forward into the NFL. If you have been a tackle throughout your entire career in college and, you know, you go to the senior bowl and they're like, Hey, well, we want to see you, see you inside a guard. They're like, well, no, I'm a, I'm a tackle. I'm not coming down to the senior bowl if you're going to move me to guard. Like, I'm, I'm a tackle. I want to stay a tackle. Uh, I feel like people need to realize, look, this is, you know, typically for the benefit of you. We're trying to see where is your where is your biggest upside? Where can you ultimately be the best player? There are so many players. When you look up and down uh, the top offensive guards in the NFL, uh, a lot of those guys played tackle early in their career. And I think ultimately it's, it's kind of what you said. We're trying to figure out what is your best position? And so, um, you know, that can be met with mixed results at times, uh, especially during this time of year when you're dealing with, uh, you know, that from an ego standpoint. And I don't blame them, um, but I think that, that that's certainly the kind of the trouble you do face. But at the end of the day, when you get to the league, I mean, you're, they're going to find, you're going to find out regardless. You know, you might be, you might've been a tackle in college and then uh, you want to you know, push and push and push and push. You don't, you know, you don't want to make that switch. Well, then you play in a game or you play in practice, you get to training camp and you find out, yeah, maybe I do need to make that switch inside, or maybe I do need to, you know, change positions. Uh, that's something you see really uh, pretty often throughout the course of uh, covering the NFL. You know, there's so many different ways to talk about it because it could be for the best interest of the player. Hey, we think you can be a better player, a more productive player using your skill set more, use playing B instead of A. And then we see scenarios based off a team need. Yep. That they have a vacancy or a hole or an injury that they need a something to be filled where it becomes a little bit more stressful and that you're kind of forcing that square peg down a round hole. But sometimes it works out for the better and sometimes it doesn't. I think there's so many different kind of ways that those position changes happen. Um, there's a lot of interesting case studies to, to look at. And I think we'd be remiss also not to mention Jason Peters. You know, and obviously his his time coming from the Bills, former tight end, former special team stalwart early in his first training camp uh, and moving and settling at tackle. I think it's really fun to look at the kind of developmental process and the lineage of where they eventually settle in. All right. So we look at what the ultimate goal is, what the, you know, when, and Jason Peters is a great example of the situation reaching its upside, right? All right. Hey, you were tight end out of Arkansas. <laughs> well, you, we think you're an offensive lineman. What do you think about making the move? You take some time, you take a year or two to make that transition. And then, oh yeah, now you're a future hall of famer uh, a decade later. I think when you look at that, that's a case of the upside, but what is the downside? What are, what are the, the problems that guys face when they are trying to go through that process of switching positions? Well, it's dangerous because you're changing them. And a lot of times a positional change comes with some sort of physical change. A lot of times that may be asked to add weight, lose weight. So it becomes a bit of projecting. It becomes a bit of guessing on how their body and physicality and athleticism will respond to the change. And anytime it's different, it's just scary because it's new, which you can end up with a Jason Peters or you can end up with you know, a, a case that didn't work out. And I just find the mindset to be really interesting from multiple directions because there are players willing to do whatever it takes. And I will change my body and move sides of the ball and positions. I will scratch, claw, beg to stay on this team. 
And then there's some pride aspect as well. And I was just thinking a couple of years back, uh, an AFC North team took a defensive end in the mid rounds. It was a four-year starter at defensive end. What he did at defensive end in college is why he was a third round pick. And then within a calendar year, they asked him to put on tons of weight and move inside, adding 30, 40 pounds and completely changing the player that made him a third round pick and a valuable prospect to be added to your team. He was willing to do it, but wasn't the same player. So I could also see a little bit of pride and ego to say, everything I've done to this point is what made me a valued commodity to you and what made me an employee of your team. And now you want me to change. Send me to somebody else then so I can use my skill set that teams valued me as a mid-round pick as instead of changing me. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of kind of you know conflict internally as well with doing everything a certain way up to this point and all of a sudden taking a left-hand turn and kind of throwing away that body of work. Um, it's scary. And there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes and muscle memory and working with the strength and conditioning coaches and not even the position coaches. A lot of times you're doing some grunt work with the assistant position coaches and just really building yourself back from the ground up. It's just a, it's just a scary kind of, uh, you know, projection because it's new. So to me too, the, the other big thing, looking at it from an individual standpoint, you know, the part of the reason why it could be such a projection, not only the, like the changing of the body type, but also, um, you know, we, we, we had this conversation all the time, you know, people would, uh, when, when, uh, Razul Douglas was here, there would be so much talk about, oh, well, he's going, let's move him to safety, move him to safety, move him to safety. It is not as easy. This is not, you know, we said this all the time. It's not Madden where you could just go in and just change the two letters that are before the guy's uh, name and just say, oh, well, we're going we're to change it from CB to FS. Uh, it's not that easy. What you are asking a player to do when he makes a change like that, he is seeing the game from a completely different position and seeing it from a, a vantage point that is unique to him. There, are, I know, I remember having conversations with Brandon Graham about defensive end and the differences between standing up and putting his hand in the dirt. And he said when he had moved to a 3-4 from a 4-3, he had never seen the game from standing up before. And he said that that was that was unique. That took time to be able to adjust to uh, because you are you go from well, you know, your hand is in the dirt and you're looking down the line of scrimmage because they played in the wide nine uh, the year before in 2012. He said, I was just looking at the ball and that's all I had to focus on pre-snap. I'm looking down the line of scrimmage. As soon as that ball moves, I'm gone. He said, when I'm standing up, I see the whole field. I see the quarterback. I see the running back. I see the offensive line. I got receivers in my face. I got tight ends here. He said, there's just a lot going on. There's a lot to process, not to mention, oh, I got to come off the ball. I got to read through my keys. I have to understand if it's run past and all that. When you ask a player to even just like a small change like that, that's a, that's a big deal. And so to me, like that, that's the other big part of it. You know, whether you're saying from tackle to guard, the, the play, how much uh, faster the game is playing at guard, as opposed to playing at center, the types of sets you're going to take playing guard, as opposed to playing center, uh, not to mention the, the left-handed versus right-handed stances and all mm-hmm. that. I mean, there, there are just so many things when you ask just from a pure uh, X's and O's standpoint, like, Oh, well the, the change in role means you're going to be asked to do things that are foreign to you that really, really affects the projection. And there's going to be a a much wider variance of outcomes when you ask a guy to do that. But sometimes you're willing to bet on that to try and reach that upside. In your opinion, and since we've seen these position changes, maybe a little bit more in the forefront over the last five to 10 years, do you feel like the average fan is overlooking the difficulty in changing in that there are some that seem to be so back pocket? 
And what I mean by back pocket is it sounds routine. Oh, you're a big, slow corner. Go play nickel or go play safety or moving from the left side to the right side on the offensive line. Or, hey, you're an oversized, strong safety. Go play Will linebacker or an undersized edge. Go play off the ball, you know, just let you play Will as well. So do you feel like there's a little bit of overlooking the actual difficulty in doing this? It's not even from a fan standpoint. It could be from a media standpoint as well, where it's just like, oh, well, this guy's going to be a guard. You know, this guy, it's like, well, maybe he's a guard. We talk about this all the time on the Journey to the Draft podcast is like when you see a guy that has that proven versatility, which we're going to get to in a little bit, I think that's an important part of the conversation. But when you have a guy that has proven versatility, he's playing, you know, pick a position. If, it, if it's a corner, all right, you brought up the, the inside outside. If a guy has proven, so we'll talk like Aaron Robinson from Central Florida. He has played nickel the last two years, but in season, he's also played. There are games where he has started on the outside, and earlier in his career, he was an outside corner. So now I look at that, and I say, all right, well, this guy has seen the game from the slot. He has seen the game from the outside. And if I'm comparing players from uh, with two different or two very similar talent levels and say, well, this guy projects to maybe be a, an inside corner or a guy that's definitely done it, I feel a little bit better and that might be a little bit of a tiebreaker for me. That was one of the reasons like, um, you know, even like a, whether you say a, like a Jalen Mills, he played every single position in the secondary when he was coming out of LSU. Joe Tooney, when he was coming out of NC State, played every single position along the offensive line. That was one of the things the Eagles love about Isaac Sayamalo, who I didn't mention, but he played four of the five uh, positions along the offensive line when he was at Oregon State. I think when you look at those guys, you feel a little bit better about that trend, their ability to make that transition, but it's not as easy for everybody. If a guy had only played left tackle in his entire career, so you say, oh yeah, he's going to go play right guard. Eh, it doesn't always work that way. And there are a lot of guys that say like, yeah, and honestly, but I've asked offensive linemen for years, going back like seven, eight, nine years about changing, not just from tackle to guard or, you know, guard to tackle, but also from left side to right side. And I'll say, well, what's harder? Is it harder to go from left to right? Or is it harder to go from tackle to guard? And I've gotten different answers from everybody because it's all mm-hmm. personal. It's a, all those guys are independent and say, yeah, it was really hard for me to, to switch up my stance and do everything left-handed. Or, yeah, it was really hard for me to line up inside and set differently and do it. Like, that's, that's a difficult proposition. Yeah, that was one of my favorite takeaways of going to O-line masterminds and hearing some of the vets talk about that difficulty in switching sides, particularly Ronald Leary, yep. who was a left-side guard most of his career. They had an injury. And to see the look on his face to say, I tried to help the team out. He goes to right guard. What's the problem? Not that he can't play both sides, but his body isn't balanced. Yep. His left side is stronger. He goes to the right side. I think it was two drives and he tore his Achilles. He knew he didn't properly train his body to be balanced. He was left side dominant or whatever, obviously muscles are being used on that left side. I'm just using left side dominant, but he was just talking about, I tried to help the team. So there was a hole, there was a need, it was immediate. He went, he was a veteran and his body broke down because of that training for the position and what he was being asked to do wasn't for that side. So I think also preparing your body to handle and be balanced is part of, uh, you know, kind of the cross training. So let's get to the next question here. Uh, what do you feel is the hardest one to pull off? And obviously again, it's all individual. It's going to come down to each player. It's going to come down to each scheme and all that. But we're talking generalities here. But what do you feel when you're talking about position switches, the ones that we typically see in the NFL, what do you feel are the the hardest ones to project when we're talking about guys jumping into the NFL? Well, I have a packet here from a GM interview from about 15 years ago. And the same thing is said, do not let the will linebacker be a catch-all. And that's how I still feel. 
I think moving to that linebacker position, whether you're a safety coming down because you have some size or whether you're an edge rusher moving off, you know, more most recently like a Hassan Reddick at a temple um, in that project, it is just a very hard position change. And you're seeing the game from a completely different perspective with different keys, different movements, different reactions, different assessments and different skills are then needed in that spot. And I think we use that as kind of a catch-all, hedging our bets to say, well, let's put them in between the two. Um, And that linebacker seems like it's a catch-all for out-of-place hybrid tweener players that we've seen more than a few struggle. And even moving from that halfway position out in space to the box where you were a linebacker before, but now you're more of a box linebacker, that's just as difficult. So my, in my opinion, I think moving to that off-ball spot from a more foreign position is a really tough transition. I think that is a big one. And I'm glad you mentioned just the guys that were that, you know, maybe they were listed as linebacker on the roster on the depth chart, but essentially they were playing in space. They're playing as a halfway player, as a nickel corner. You're still making that transition. You're seeing the game from a different angle. Uh, So I would agree with you there. I think another big one uh, as well would be from corner to playing deep safety and not, not, not strong safety. Not, you know, if you're, because honestly, if you are a, a nickel, if you've got experience playing inside, making the move to play as a more traditional strong safety, that's not that big of a jump. That's why you know you look at Malcolm Jenkins and how he was used uh, throughout the course of his career. Watching, following his career arc, you know he started as a corner, then moved to safety, and then moved you know moved into the slot, and now essentially as a as a, a, a an extra linebacker uh, for the Saints defense. I think you can kind of follow that same kind of arc. I think when you look at guys that have to move from corner to deep safety, that can be that's a big jump because you are seeing the game. Instead of, let's say you were playing in a press man scheme, now to see seeing the game from 20 yards off the ball and, and trying to be able to track the ball completely differently instead of having your back to the sideline, running side saddle with the with the receiver, now you're trying to track the ball from uh, back to front, uh, attacking it at those different angles. It's not easy. Run the alley. You've never done that before. That's different than tackling a, a, a receiver in the flat on a bubble screen uh, or you know trying to set the edge as a uh, against an outside zone. Uh, I think that that's another big jump that's, that's tough to make. One of my favorite case studies in a vacuum to kind of evaluate, which we see quite often uh, in some short yardage and goal line situations, is putting big defensive linemen at fullback. Right. And why that so frequently works. Why these behemoth of men that are used to banging can suddenly not play the other direction. Mm. It's a completely different skill set that you would think they would excel in, but requires a different type of athleticism, footwork, uh, momentum and things like that, that you would think it'd be seamless, but we quite often see those guys that are dominant nose tackles actually struggle to be a lead blocker because it's kind of a different role. Yeah, no question. And another big, big one I was, should also point out, uh, playing receiver and then to now put your hand in the dirt as a tight end, uh, also completely different, <laughs> not to mention too, if you were a perimeter guy, uh, you know, played outside the numbers as a receiver, and then to play more in the middle of the field, um, which is why I do think that Hakeem Butler has a little bit of a heads up because you and I both studied Hakeem Butler when he was coming from Ohio, uh, from Iowa State. Uh, he was a slot receiver. Uh, he did everything between the hashes. That was that was where he lived. So um, at least he's got a little bit of a jump there in terms of making that. But I can't uh, remember who it was. He's either last year or not. Yeah, either last year or the year before. There was kind of a slot tight end. Went to the combine to do the blocking drill. Right. It needed some help getting into his stance. 
Yeah. Like he didn't feel comfortable putting his hand down. He had never done it before. So make sure you're not that guy, you know, yeah. on national TV. That would be, that would be <laughs> ideal to not be that guy. Um, last question here for the burning questions. Lots of talk. And this, we talked about this from a versatility standpoint, lots of talk about uh, positionless players, positionless football, the importance of versatility in today's game. We've had this discussion before over on the journey to the draft, but let's bring that here into this one. The difference between uh, hybrid players versus tweeners, and what they look like uh, for today's NFL. Yeah, that's kind of my tongue-in-cheek way of categorizing <laughs> whether I, I like them or uh, have concerns about them. And hybrids, I think, are players that can successfully handle multiple roles. Yep. And the tweeners, I think, are when there's a bit of impropriety or maybe some concerns about the multiple roles. But positionally, in height, weight, speed, you fall into kind of segmented positions. So you're not a true edge. You're not a true three tech. You're right in between them. If I feel like you can handle both roles, that's what I call a hybrid. If I have a concern about one of the roles, that's what we call kind of a tweener. We're really talking semantics of language and it's a player that doesn't fit through and through into a particular hopper. Um, And they're all over the place. And I love kind of just putting the spin to it of saying, hey, you know what? There's 64 starting defensive ends every week in the NFL. Not everyone could be perfect. So there's always going to be a give and take to it. And I think that's always evaluating these players and figuring out the pros and cons and how do we put them in positions to be successful and how can we anticipate what the opponent may do to put them in position to be successful as well. Like, for example, putting an edge at three tech in a true passing situation. We wouldn't want to do that in a run threat situation, but putting them in a in maybe a situation that you can anticipate the opponent's action will then help them be successful in that new spot. So uh, a lot of, a lot of layers to that. Yeah. I think too, you know, when we talk about versatility, uh, I looked at it now, I look at it now as kind of like two prongs and maybe it's even three prongs. Now that I think about it, I think of position versatility. So let's say we're talking about an offensive lineman. Uh, he has played three of five spots. He's played four of five spots. That's what I say. I view a guy that's he's positionally versatile. He can play tackle, left tackle, right tackle and left guard and right guard. That's a guy that's positionally versatile. Then I look at a guy who's scheme versatile. And, and this is a guy that, Hey, you want to play if you're uh, an outside zone, heavy scheme. Yeah, he can do that. If you're a gap downhill ver- uh, vertical displacement team. Yeah, he can do that. That's a guy that is scheme versatile. You get the guys that are both. Well, now, we're, now you're, you've, you've really got uh, a guy that can succeed in a lot of different situations and can be, uh, you know, kind of centralized from that standpoint. But uh, to me, when you talk about versatility, especially in today's game, you talk about the mismatches and the Swiss Army knives on offense, and you need those guys to be able to match up on defense. The guys, again, that have proven to be able to do that, that have that multifaceted skill set, that is important. But I also do think, too, there's something to be said, and there are some defenses in the NFL that operate this way. The Baltimore Ravens are a great example of that. If you are a specialized player, and New England and, and Miami, they do a great job with this as well. If you are a player that can do A, B, C, D, and E, great. We've got a, we've got a lot of different roles that you can wear. But if you only do A, or you only do B and C, and that's it, well, we'll find a role for you too, and you'll be able to do that. But we're only going to ask you to do B and C. So I, I think when you look at the versatility aspect of uh, the positionless football that we're in now, which is a thing, you can, you can make fun of it all you want uh, on the outside. That's a thing. I do think that when you talk about that, it really comes down to the staff and how those players are going to be used. From a defensive perspective, it's always important to remember offensive personnel is determined 
off the sideline. When that player steps off the sideline, that's when personnel is determined. That's when the defensive guys are putting up 11 personnel, 02, 22, whatever it is that the offensive players are going to be in the huddle on that next play. But the more versatile players offense puts out, the more interchangeable, the more uh, positionless threats they put on the field becomes much more difficult to prepare defensively for knowing what personnel and what threats present themselves. Um, so it's just ha- kind of having that Rolodex that you don't always get to determine, oh, Tyreek Hill is in the backfield now. Now he's in the slot. Now he's out wide. You don't get to have different people on the field for each of those scenarios. You just get to know, hey, Tyreek Hill is in the play here. Now let's figure out where they're going to deploy them. And I think the best coordinators and coaches find ways to keep defenses off balance with those positionless players. Yeah, and then defensively, when you have uh, players that do those same things, you might line up one in one rep, same personnel on the group on the field, and maybe you're a four down with two stacked players and you know f- five essential DBs. But then you might, with that same group, be able to line up in an odd-looking front with three down linemen, four linebackers, and four. D- you know what I mean? Like uh, you have those versatile pieces that can do lots of different things uh, that can also serve the defense as well. Um, Last question here, looking at this uh, this draft class, who are some players that come to mind when you think of uh, guys that are pro- almost certainly going to have to make those position switches here in this 2021 NFL draft? Well, let me catch you up to speed, and then you kind of take it from here because right, there's go. already been a lot of position changes. Yeah, You know, whether it's, you know, Cincinnati left tackle, James Hudson, former defensive lineman at Michigan, Divine Diablo from four-star receiver to strong safety. Same thing with Mark Webb, former Philly guy down at Georgia, receiver to strong safety. Kendrick Green, Illinois, good zone scheme guard. He was a former defensive lineman recruit. I don't think people realize Caleb Farley was a quarterback, then receiver at Virginia Tech, flip sides of the ball at Virginia Tech, never played corner in high school. Or a Chaz Surratt going from quarterback to linebacker, which seemingly is a popular trend in college football. Malcolm Rodriguez at Oklahoma State was a former quarterback. Zayvon Collins, I think, played quarterback in high school. It's a bunch of guys around this draft class in particular that have changed positions for a variety of reasons. Um, Sometimes you know the reasons. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you speculate it. Sometimes it's a need. Sometimes it's a fit. Um, and it's a lot of different reasons why, uh, and I think this won't be the end of the conversation either. I think it's just part of being an athlete and a football player is constantly evolving and finding out where your best usage will be. So for me, uh, just a few names to bring up as well. Uh, you, you mentioned like kind of those halfway players, certainly a uh, Jeremiah Owusu koromoa uh, you know, is he a linebacker or is he a safety? Essentially, you're probably going to use him the same way, but it'll be different scheme to scheme, um, regardless He's not going to be playing in the slot full-time in the NFL. It's very unlikely, right? So I think he's going to be seeing a little bit of an adjustment uh, in his transition. Uh, Asante Samuel Jr. is a good example of a corner that a lot of people, you know, he's been playing on the outside, but a lot of people at his size, you know, for around 5'10", around 180 pounds, say, oh, well, he's going to have to make the move inside the nickel. He's going to have to do it. Well, he's never done it in the past, so depending on which team he ends up with, uh, they may be asking him, to make that jump. Uh, Milton Williams is a player who changed positions late in his career. Uh, this is a defensive tackle coming out of Louisiana Tech, was a defensive end up until this season in 2020, uh, slid inside after some injuries, and now uh, was a starting defensive tackle. We'll see how high he goes in this class. Uh, we talked about offensive linemen, uh, a lot of tackles uh, that you know potentially could make that move into guard. Rashawn Slater from Northwestern could potentially
actually be an interior offensive lineman, not just a guard. Some people view him as a potential center down the road. Alex Leatherwood from Alabama. He does have some guard experience earlier in his career, but has played left tackle each of the last two seasons. Dylan Radins from uh, from North Dakota State. He was Trey Lance's left tackle. Uh, a lot of people view him as an interior offensive lineman. And then Robert Hainsey from Notre Dame. It's been a longtime right tackle. A lot of people feel his best football could be at right guard or at guard or at center, which he did uh, do down at the Senior Bowl. And then staying with the Notre Dame guys, uh, Ben Skarnack is an example of a wide receiver who's played on the perimeter. Uh, he was a big play threat for the Irish this past year. Maybe he puts on uh, another 10, 12 pounds and becomes a tight end. Uh, and I want, you know, I think he's another guy, uh, interesting one, just kind of keep in mind here moving forward. He has a couple guys in this class, like Jamon Osbin out of uh, Texas A&M is a big, thick receiver. I think he can move to like a, a slot tight end, H-back mm-hmm. role, maybe Jalen Camp, same thing, like a Quincy yep. Anunua. I love the tackle to center stories, whether it's Mitch Morse, yeah. who was a three-year tackle at Missouri, or Cody Whitehair was a four-year tackle at Kansas State. Day one in the NFL, you're a center. And there's a couple guys in this class that may be in that conversation. And it's, it's not a negative, you know, it's 32 starting centers. They're all millionaires too. They they're needed. They're wanted. They have value with their teams. Um, but just for whatever reason, it may be a hole or just a, uh, you know, athleticism kind of height, weight, speed fit that the team has on a certain position. So there's a lot of players in this class that are probably still going to move around. And I think it's exciting to project. Yeah, uh, no question. It's going to be a, a really interesting discussion uh, for a lot of those players moving forward into the NFL. Well, Ben, uh, this was fun as always. Next week, we are going to take a week off from doing this segment because we typically do it. Uh, it goes out late in the week. Well, obviously, next week is the NFL draft. So we're going to take our week off. Make sure you go subscribe to the Journey to the Draft podcast. I said it earlier. Uh, ben, myself, Dane Brugler, we're going to be every single night after the draft's over. We're going to record. So it'll be on your phone the next morning. So if you want to get up to date on whoever the Eagles draft, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday during the day. Make sure you're subscribed to the Journey of the Draft podcast for analysis with myself and Ben and, of course, Dane Brugler from The Athletic. Ben, uh, we will talk to you on Journey of the Draft, and we will talk to you on Eagle on the Sky in a couple weeks. Looking for a unique experience for the young Eagles fan in your life? Eagles virtual youth football and cheerleading clinics are now being offered on April 25th and May 16th. Register today at PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash clinics. Great stuff from Ben, who you can follow on Twitter just like I do, at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. And while you're at it, I'm at EaglesXOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's Nose content that we produce here at Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That's one way to support the show. But the best way is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, and leave us a comment. I want to give a shout-out today to someone who did exactly that, SYS228. Left a five-star review saying, awesome pod, I love to listen. So SYS, Got your comment? Thanks so much. Appreciate the rating. Appreciate the comment. Uh, Great stuff there. Again, thanks to SYS. And thank you to all of you for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings over with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Duffy House, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week. Hi, I'm Fran Duffy, host of the Journey to the Draft podcast, where every week we're going through scouting reports, big boards, mock drafts, and figuring out how prospects transition to the NFL. Listen to the Journey to the Draft podcast wherever podcasts can be found.